0: combination what a what a what up everyone welcome to episode 118 that's right episode 118 of combo's court and i am combo thank you for rating reviewing subscribing if you haven't done that already go get that done if you've done it already do it again share this episode with a friend we are out here check out the patreon page i'll leave a link in the description for that today's show scoop b returns to combos court it's always great having scoop on the show you could follow scoop b on instagram at scoop underscore b that's s-e-o-o-p underscore b also make sure you go subscribe to the scoop b radio podcast great conversation today glad you guys will be able to listen in you know you could find me on instagram at one two combo that's o n e t w o c o m b o. intro music by Luca beats let's get into it Well, Thanksgiving was good. How was yours? Anything interesting happened? How was the family? Talk to me. Talk to me, Scoop.
1: Um, family's doing good. We um just did the Thanksgiving thing. Spent some time with family and friends. I literally wrote two articles <laughs> over the weekend, and for the most part, other than that, I slept late, which is rare for me, and uh, just relaxed.
0: Sounds great. I wanted to start with a uh, Kaepernick man. Uh, Stephen A. came out and said
1: Kaepernick doesn't want to play. He wants to be a martyr. Where do you land on that? I agree with him in in his statement that he doesn't want to play. I think it's bigger uh, than football, and I don't want to sound cliche when I say that. I think with Stephen A. saying he doesn't want to play football and the martyr thing, eh, I don't know about the martyr thing, but I do think it's bringing awareness to some of the issues at hand. Uh, that many people of color have dealt with over the years. And I believe he's using football as a vehicle. For example, the Kuta Kente shirt. Uh, I actually spoke to the creative director of the company who created that shirt and, uh, and I wrote an article about it, uh, after the workout Kaepernick had, but I think that, um, Kunta Kente is a character from Alex Haley's book Roots and it was made into a documentary made for T V and you know it made people ask questions who's Kunta Kente. Um I think even it's a great time to be alive where you can have conversation about privilege, whether it be corporate privilege, whether it be white privilege, whether it be financial privilege. Um I, I think Kaepernick is using that vehicle to bring certain conversations about. Um I, I think Stephen A. Smith, um, in his Uh, generational bracket uh, spoke from his worldview. Everybody brings a different worldview to the table. I personally thought that he reacted a little bit too early. And um, at the same time, it's been a national and international conversation and Kyler Kaepernick is still not working. So that's where we are right now. Where do you see this going? Um, I can see Kaepernick potentially, you know, signing with a team in the offseason. I I don't see it being an issue now. I mean, but the thing that kind of is like crazy to me is when you look at like the games on Super Bowl, you look at the the, the Detroit Lions' Blau. His last name is Blau. I can't think of his first name, but, um, you know, he he looked very good. He literally – that was his first game of the season. Um, a Detroit Lions could have used a team like him. You, you know, you even look at the team that they played against on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, the Chicago Bears, Trubisky uh, is 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 not uh, really aesthetically pleasing right now on the football field, even though they did get the win on Thanksgiving. But uh, I talked to Craig Hodges, uh, former Chicago Bull uh, Craig Hodges, who some consider right. to be Kaepernick yeah. before Colin Kaepernick. Some people say Mahmoud Moudabou Raouf. He's an Illinois native. He he told me on the phone, "Hey man, the the Bears could use Colin Kaepernick." So you know, you you look at the Steelers and the injuries they've had this season; they could have used him. I, I think right now. A lot of folks don't want that controversy. Um, and, and that's where we are currently. But I do see a, a team potentially making something happen in the summertime. Right. Let's shift to basketball. Um,
0: you know, a friend of mine was, you know, he called me. He's like, do you think the Nets should trade Kyrie for this person? Do you think the Nets should trade Kyrie for that person? I'm like, when you have a top 10, top 15 NBA talent, you don't trade them. You know, you make it work. You figure it out. I know they're playing well, the Nets right now. What's your thoughts on Kyrie and the Nets and just them playing well right now? I think Dinwiddie is playing great, and I'm really impressed by Jared Allen and DeAndre, the way they're protecting the rim. But to me, the best chance to win a championship for the Nets is just keeping Kyrie
1: and making sure that KD is healthy. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I think it's very early in the season, and I think that in the, in the cycle of news that we're in, uh, you know, quick hits and stats and numbers don't always tell the whole story. I mean, because right. when you look at Kyrie at the beginning of the season, uh, you know, people were like, that's okay, he lost to Memphis, but he's playing with a lot of re- lot of energy. And I think that uh, when you look at news cycles and people kind of rushing to judgment, I find it interesting that that statement that your friend made uh, came about at the same time where the Nets... Had a home and home with the Celtics uh, last week, uh,
0: right.
1: uh, you know Wednesday and then on, on Friday and you know the Nets got the win Friday and the Celtics got the win Wednesday, so they split. But um, and and that in that, that game on on Friday, I, I didn't like the ending of it. Brad Wanamaker was playing well uh, and and for Boston. And then you know rebounding wise, the Nets didn't really impress me, um, but they got the win. Behind the play of of Spencer Dinwiddie, and another thing I'll add is while Kyrie's been hurt, guys like Garrett Temple have stepped up.
0: Yes, uh, I've
1: caught some games while I've been in and out, but um, Garrett Temple has played well. Um, and and I, and I think that when Kyrie comes back, uh, they're gonna have to adjust their play because I think that Kyrie does dribble the ball out, and a lot of people stand around and watch him, his dribbling wizardry and his ability to create shots. But you know, I, I think when you look at. Uh, when you look at DeAndre Jordan, you knew the defensive stopper you were getting. Uh, Jared Allen played well in the summer league. Uh, Yes. I spoke to my guy, Darrell Johnson over the summer and just talked about how excited he was, you know, to be playing basketball for Brooklyn this season. It's a great time to to be playing basketball Uh, for the nets right now. Maybe the Knicks, not so much, but, uh, you know that you got guys like Marcus Morris, who you know who is an enforcer who's tough and has gone toe to toe with with Joel Embiid on that end. But to 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 stick it straight down the middle in Williamsburg or or, or the Bed Stuy area, um, I think that the Nets uh, are waiting for KD. And I think even when KD comes back, there's still going to be an adjustment. Uh, that's going to have to be made. So it's not a foregone conclusion that this is a championship team once KD comes back because he's still got to adjust. You know, I think year three, uh, not this year, not next year, the year after. I think the Nets will be well-oiled um, and hopefully they keep Spencer. And, you know, I like Joe Harris. Joe Harris plays good basketball. Yes. Joe and, and Kyrie have a history in Cleveland. So a lot of good basketball that is left to be played for Brooklyn. But I think it's a bit too early to just think that, you know, Kyrie should throw, him, throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's too early for that. Carmelo's return man it's a good thing to see um
0: you know you're putting out things in the air to you know even help Carmelo what I've what I've seen from Carmelo is that is not not as much ball stopping not as much ball stopping he's just driving it shooting it or passing it right away a couple times you'll see him get into his jab step stuff that's a little bit outdated but it's just him man um what do you make of Melo's return and what do you make of him saying this ain't a damn farewell tour I'm not thinking about retiring
1: well, you know, I spoke to Melo the week after he uh the the week before he signed uh with the Blazers and he told me he'll 2000% uh return to the NBA literally a Thursday later. Uh he he ended up, you know, coming to or signing with the Blazers and um one thing I'll add is he reminds me a lot of Michael Jordan when he played for the Wizards.
0: Yeah, I can see it. I could see it. Uh,
1: um but I think a more athletic, more limber And a younger, yeah, younger, younger, yeah. Because a lot of, because a lot of times people will compare LeBron's journey with Michael and the Wizards, and I don't think that's a fair comparison because Michael, because LeBron is still a top five player, if not top two. Yes, Michael wasn't a top two at that point. And Mel and Melo and
0: Jordan are scorers, and LeBron is more of a facilitator, even though he might go down as all time leading scorer, which is yeah, thirty three
1: thousand points, but. He is more of a of, of a of a scorer. He is a he is Magic. He is Oscar. He is Jason Kidd with a better jumper. Yes, um, I, I think to to directly answer your question about Carmelo Anthony, he fits in that Portland offense. You know, driving dish. Uh, he still commands a double team, and when you double or triple team him, you got Lillard and CJ sitting in the, on both corners. Um, and, and what I think makes Portland a little better this time than last year once they get healthy. Is it's a good consolation prize that you got you Nurkic sitting waiting for you know, in rehabbing healing, uh to potentially come back th- this season, January, February is likely. But uh the other the other positive on the Portland side is Hassan Whiteside, uh who's played good basketball uh this season. But I, I think directly talking about Carmelo Anthony, um, he fits Terry Stotts's offense who who you know, it- it's predicated upon two scorers and CJ and, and and Damian Lillard. Um, And I think Carmelo transitioning as a starter in Portland's offense came at a a great time with when he started Damian was out. So he got a feel of what the offense was like before Lillard came back. Now they have to kind of make it finite and how they can incorporate all three guys and be successful. And so far they've done it. I mean, they've beaten the Chicago's they've beaten, they beat Chicago twice. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, early on, like his first game back, it was jitters. I watched that first game and, um, it, it, he could have won that game or rather Portland could have won that game. It didn't go in their favor, but I think he's still adjusting. And I think that that turning point was at the United center in Chicago recently. And, uh, where Lala was there and, you know, it, it, it was encouraging Lala was was shooting some type of film while she was out there, but, you know, it seems like Carmelo's getting adjusted. Um, The Lakers were a team last season that was interested in Melo and and Melo had interest in them and, if I were if I were Lakers front office, I, I may be a little disappointed that I that they weren't able to uh, get him in this year because they're still waiting on guys like Andre Godal and Jamal Crawford, and others uh, to kind of uh, the, the dominoes to fall in their favor. But uh, I can't I can't say enough about just how much Carmelo has, has played as a professional, both publicly, privately, and uh, has said all the right things and the translating as a, as a big brother leadership role in, in, in Terry Stotts' offense and and defense as well. You know, a lot of people oh. Carmelo Anthony apology because they wrote him off as washed. They wrote him off as he can't do this, he can't do that. And what I find interesting is a lot of people said that in a, in, a, in a dominance that was the Golden State Warriors, where everything was jump shooting, yes, and and, and bombs away. And look at what the war where the Warriors are now. That's that, that's no knock, but it's interesting that as the Warriors are, are are kind of not a talk of town right now, uh, Carmelo Anthony is trending because he's doing what what got him here.
0: Yeah, speaking about bombs away and a lot of shooting, I feel the big man is going to come back to the finals because, in my opinion, it's going to be Philly versus the Lakers, and that'll be interesting to see. A lot of big men would be in that series if that if that's how it
1: ends up. You know, I got a chance to check out Philly during the preseason out in Orlando um, back in October, um, and I like I like Philadelphia. Um, I like Embiid. I like Horford. Uh, I like Simmons. Yes. Uh, and I, I spoke to Josh Richardson after the game and I told him, you know, I think you're in the most ideal situation. Uh, you are you, you have a dream job, uh, basically b- being brought in there to be a, a lockdown defender uh, and score as well, um, because when you look at Philadelphia, you know, you, you, you gave up. Well you you Jimmy walked. Jimmy went to Miami. Jimmy Butler went to Miami. Yes. Uh you 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 JJ Reddick went to uh the New Orleans Pelicans, but you retained Tobias Harris, um, and you and you paired him with Embiid, you paired him with you know Ben Simmons, and then you bring in Al Horford. Um so you know, I, I think Philadelphia has a good mix. Uh I, I do think that they're missing a veteran. Uh, Jamal Crawford to me. I'm going to always lobby for him like I lobbied for Carmelo Anthony. I think he would be a great fit in Philadelphia um, because I think he brings uh, veteran experience, and I think that as much as Philadelphia is believed to be uh, the Eastern Conference favorite, um, you also cannot sleep on the Milwaukee bucks. I don't care that Malcolm Brogdon is gone. They beefed up defensively by adding uh, Robin Lopez uh, and Brooke Lopez is, 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 is eating too. He's, he's in the top three in in, in the blocks category behind Anthony Davis, who could be the defensive play of the year. Uh, and, and I also think uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, you know, I want to see him replicate what he did last season, uh, especially in the playoffs, you know, it, it, had it not been Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors be, becoming the behemoth that they were, it's a good chance we could have seen Milwaukee in the finals. But I think every year they've gotten better. And I take my hat off to them. But, you know, on the Western Conference side, yeah, the Lakers look good. It's still very early in the season. The Clippers are still figuring things out. Um, and you and you still got to watch other teams. I think a team that most people are not talking about is the Denver Nuggets. It's as, as yeah. currently a second seed. Definitely, definitely. To be honest, I've been watching the Sixers play
0: the last few games. And Ben Simmons is underrated at this point. He's, he's number two in steals, uh, elite vision, elite size. And I think because of his shooting, a lot of people write him off. But, man, he, in my opinion, he's a top
1: 15 NBA talent, maybe 10. Yeah, but you don't have to be a good shooter to, to be to win championships. Right. Jason Kidd dispelled that myth uh, during his time with the New Jersey Nets, playing alongside guys like Kerry Kittles, Kenyon Martin, Keith Van Horn, and others. Um, <clears throat> I think that's that kind of goes to our original or initial conversation before this one about the Warriors and how much scoring and shooting is at a premium. Yeah, uh, they're a totally different know, team
0: now, though. It's so It's Yeah, like, yeah. and one
1: of the days where, you know, the John Stocktons and even the Mark Jacksons had to be scorers in order to win. You know, Ben Simmons, is. is I think it's taking his adjustment is, is where it needs to be as a six eight six nine point guard. Um and, and he still has shooters, he still has teammates that can that can contribute. But, man, I, I, I think um you're right about Ben Simmons being underrated. I think for as much as people pay attention to his personal business that ha- that has anything to do with Kardashian and the fact that he may not be a, an efficient jumper, having yeah. an efficient jumper, I think you know, Ben is doing what he needs to do. Um, I, I, You made a statement about the, the, the center position making a comeback. I had that conversation with Ray Allen earlier this year. Um, And he said, you know, him being a shooter, he likes a big man that can do what he needs to do. You look at guys like DeAndre Ayton, you mentioned him by name, and you look at Embiid, you look at even somebody like Taco Fall at UCF, um, and and those centers have, have, have garnered a lot of attention. Um, I don't think that the center position is what it once was. I think we were spoiled in the 90s with the David Robinsons, the Hakeem Olajuwans, the Patrick Ewings, and what have you. Yeah. Um, but I do think we are in an era of hybrid big men that can put it on the floor and also play back to the basket. Um, I, I'm in and out of Philadelphia, and one of the criticisms they have about Joel Embiid is, you know, his ability to, uh, you know, just put the ball on the floor and, and back it up in the post, and he likes to take jumpers. I think that's what the evolution of the NBA game has been. I think he is a speedier, quicker uh, Chris Webber with better handles mixed with Hakeem Olajuwon.
0: Yeah, Chris, Webber, Chris Webber's vision was ridiculous as well. So I see it. I definitely see it. The new NBA proposals man uh, 78 game season play in playoff games a mid-season tournament that kind of resembles a european aspect of the game which of these would you like to see stick which of these would you like to see in the NBA none of it really i don't like the 78 game season because i think it just messes with, messes with like season stacks historically and what difference does it really make for games i don't know um the the seventh to ten play in is the seven to ten play in. I like because I think it gives those teams a chance that are around the ten seed. The other two I don't really like too much. Yeah,
1: yeah, I don't I don't really like any of it, um, Andrew, because I, I'm I'm a I'm an NBA old soul. You You've know. been doing this a long time, Scoop. You've been doing <laughs> this a long time. Yeah, but aside from doing it a long time, I, I, I was a fan first, and right, you know, I, I have I've disliked. Um, even the logo being taken off the jerseys, you know, in the front on the on the shoulder, you know. So to to now look at, you know, the 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 playoff structure, the, the seventy eight games, I can see, um, because it is an eighty two game season, and I think, um, you know, with load management and on some of those other conversations that are being had um, of just about health and more in this mental health era and this self care era that we live in. You know, it's a lot more money on the table now than maybe even 20, 30, 40 years ago. And so you want to protect that investment. You know, you look at the injuries like uh, Kevin Durant, you look at Kawhi Leonard the last few years, you look at even LeBron James hurting himself on Christmas Day last year, Uh, the, the most substantial injury of his career um it's 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 a lot of money being spent play fans spending a lot of money on games and then guys not playing it's a lot to consider um but i think um even with all-star selections where you have team Giannis versus team lebron or team steph curry versus team lebron it's like man even the east and west those games are no longer so it's like you know it's it's entertainment now, and in, in some respects, more entertainment than it is the actual game. I don't like the seeding structure. I don't like to personally see uh, a potential Eastern Conference team playing against another Eastern Conference team. Uh, in the finals, just like, you know, you could see it on the other side with a Western Conference team playing against a Western Conference team. I think that's, yeah, funny. but you know, that's, that's change, you know, nothing stays the same. So I, True. I that goes with the next evolution of, of what's next. I don't like it, but Hey man, it, it's a business and they're doing what's in their best professional interest. I get it.
0: In a nutshell, you're saying you don't like some of the changes. Um, from what I see, I feel that Adam Silver is, is more liked than David Cern, I, I guess, sure. but, but, but how would you grade Adam Silver's tenure so far?
1: I mean, I know Adam personally. Um, okay, A- Adam is. Um, I-, I would. I think from the moment that Adam stepped on the well, to the mantle in February of 2014, he's been spot on. Um, I think the thing that makes Adam special is his accessibility. Um, he and I had the the All Star game in in New Orleans in 2014. Uh, he was pretty open with everybody. He he went around the different functions that the NBA was having, the mothers' association was having, and just made himself available. And then transitioned to that literally like a month to, to let maybe even three weeks later, and the whole Adam uh, the whole Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers, um, and you know handled that well. Uh, you know had no tolerance for. You know, those incendiary remarks that were made uh, that that, that Donald Sterling made about African-Americans and women and others. And, you know, that's carried over to, you know, how he's handled uh, collective bargaining, how he's handled uh, a multitude of other things. Uh, He's very personable. I learned uh, that he was a big Pong fan as well as an NBA Jam fan uh, while in law school. Uh, And then the other thing that works in his favor is as the NBA transitioned in the nineties, he was, he was hands-on with, with, with David Stern. So, you know, you, you look at the second in command behind, you know, silver, that would be Mark Tatum. Um, and, And Mark Tatum has been around Stern, silver forever, ever, forever, ever. So I think, you know, as much as he's popular, he learned the ropes from David Stern. He's just younger. And he, and, and he recognizes the changes that were made during the nba's golden era to now so i think the nba is in good hands to answer your question you know i give him an a an a minus don't, i don't want him to be perfect i give him an a minus
0: got you scoop as you know um i was high on luca even before the draft uh we've had conversations about luca but you know max mccauley of the seven seconds or less podcast tweeted luca Doncic has a real chance to be the best basketball player of all time well max took it to another level on that one um what what are your thoughts on that tweet?
1: I mean, I think when you're a fan of something or you respect somebody, you go hard. Just yeah. like I like fellow Anthony. I went hard for him. Right. So I don't I don't slight him. You know, kudos to him for sticking with his guy. Yeah. Um, the best player ever. I think it's still very early. He's in year two. Yes. Um, and having a good year 2 I'll add, uh, reigning rookie of the year. Uh, I, I just think it's still very early to be making any huge declarations right now. Yeah, because
0: that's basically saying that he has a real chance to be better than Michael Jordan, which is, whew, you know what I mean? It's high praise. Yes. Yeah. You know
1: <laughs> I, 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 I will, I will dumb down my expectations for the sake of content and where we are in the season. It's very early, and um, I, I just think that Luka Donnivit, excuse me, Luka Doncic is a is a. Phenomenal basketball player, a basketball mind, and he's also had practice by, you know, um, playing professionally before he was an nba professional that that's like you know i use this analogy i was on a podcast the other day malcolm gladwell's outliers book says you have to have ten thousand hours of protect of practicing a, cr- a craft before you're an expert he was an expert before he stepped foot on an nba court this is an exercise in futility at this point and you know he's he's in a good system in, in dallas under rick Carlisle and happy for him you know
0: yeah scoop as as you probably know when somebody's this good this early this great this early you know the backlash is brewing so sometimes tweets like this uh, I mean I don't mind it but man it could come back to haunt Luca I think and I just hope that people realize he's 20 years old and if at some point he has some kind of struggle which I don't think he will I think he'll continue to get better I think the backlash is going to be kind of crazy and I hope not because I want to see Luca be all-time great
1: you know when I look at Luca um, I was young at this point but uh, the the fanfare that Luca gets it reminds me of the from the fanfare I've heard and just seen in video of Drazen Petrovic. He
0: was great, great player, and you were, and you were familiar with the Nets heavily. So
1: a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But no, I I think Dro I mean Drazen was in the Olympics took it to Michael. The rest of the rest of Drazen's team was scared of Michael. I mean, yeah, they were scared of Michael. Drosen Drosen wasn't scared, man. I mean, everybody that I've spoken to that were teammates with Dreizen or played against Drosen, they they just they speak they speak reverently just about his game. It's funny, I, I had um uh one of the, the voice of NBA Jam on, on the Scoopy Radio podcast recently. And he talked about how, like, there was like this glitch in the NBA Jam, and like it, there was a there was a, a the actual arcade game sitting in a room, and somebody I think it might be in the NBA Jam book that recently came out, and 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 they talked about how when you turn the lights out one night it was real late you just heard the NBA Jam uh, voice go Petrovich 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 <laughs> like, over and over and over again. Uh, it was almost like a shout out to just the legacy that he had in a short amount of time. Um, I, I think we are living in a, in a almost like a throwback era of players where other pl- where players remind you of previous players. Like when I talked about Embiid being a, a mix of, of Elijah and Chris Weber, I think when you, you know, I've heard people make comparisons that Anthony Davis is, is, is has is the only person that they can compare him to is like Tim Duncan. And I look at I look at Luca and I see some some remnants of, of Petrovic, but Luca is still his own guy. Cause I feel like you could take Petrovic's game, you could say he plays a little bit like Harden. You could say he plays a little bit like LeBron. I just think we're in an era where so many people have so many different remnants of his game. Like you could look at Joel Santana and say, You could tell that Juel's paid attention to Jay. You could say he paid attention to Cameron himself. You could say he paid attention to Mace. There's so many different facets of it where, you know, that's where we are with Luca. He reminds you of many different guys.
0: Most definitely. I mean, his stats are crazy. I just really want to see what do you feel like the landing point is for Luca in terms of stats? Because when you're 20 years old and you're averaging 30, close to 10 and 10, uh, man, where could these stats end up? Because, you know, it's quite possible one day he'll be averaging 35, 37, more assists, more rebounds if he continues to improve the way the NBA game, the way the spacing is.
1: Biggie wrote a song, called Sky's the Limit. I think yeah. this for Luca. I mean, when, when you look at the fact that Russell Westbrook was able to average a triple-double right. season, uh, that's remarkable. You know, I had time to, to spend with uh, Oscar Robertson um, in the summer. I hosted, a, um, I hosted an awards dinner with the Retired Players Association that was honoring Oscar. Um, and and Oscar just talk reverently about his time and his career in the era in which he played it, and you know, I think for Oscar to do it and set the bar, and now for 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 Russell to kind of do it for two straight years, and then now for Russell to play on the Houston team with Harden, um, you know, and Harden is still putting up video game numbers there. Yes. Look at Luca. Luca, by himself, has the opportunity to average a triple double. I mean, heck, you look at LeBron. LeBron James has the opportunity to average a triple double on the season. Um, his rebounds are a little bit down, but his, his assists and his, his 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 points are up. So it's like when you look at just these these marquee guys. Uh, I, I, I look at Luca and what Luca is able to do. I think to, to maintain a triple double and get to the playoffs in a very 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 competitive NBA Western Conference. It's pretty impressive.
0: Let's shift to Zion Williamson, former son Cedric Sabalos. Uh, he shared that he thinks Zion should sit out the rest of the season, uh, in which case he'd still be eligible to win Rookie of the Year for next season. My thoughts are on that: is that when you could play, you play, because an NBA career is only so long. I think when you're healthy enough to play, you suit up and play. What say you?
1: Yeah, Cedric actually told my my um, my coworker Landon Buford. Okay. That. Uh, about uh, Zion Williamson. Um, and so I I, I think um, Cedric has been around the game enough um, that he knows the game enough. I mean, he's played with the Kobe's, he's played with the Shacks, or at least knows Kobe and Shack. And the Barkleys and the Dan Marleys, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you know he, he, he knows he's been around superstars and stars enough to know what it is, Um you know, for Zion, I think this is an experimental year for New Orleans anyway. Um, I like their roster, but they're not quite there just yet. Um, I watched them opening night. I've watched a few. I've, I've at least watched every team so far this season. Um, and, and I watched New Orleans, their first game against Toronto. And I was impressed by how they went into overtime and went toe-to-toe with the, the, the NBA champs, Toronto Raptors. But um, – they still need a little seasoning. I like the mix of veterans with young guys. You know, you've got um, Drew Holiday, you've got JJ Reddick, right? But then you've got Brandon uh, Ingram, who has a lot to prove post Anthony Davis trade that shipped them to New Orleans. You know, you got Josh Hart, you got uh, Lazo ball, um, et cetera. And, and where I think Zion fits into this equation is he's got a, he doesn't have the pressure of being a superstar on that team right away because he has help. Um And because there's no pressure, there's no pressure to, you know, come out and perform. I agree with Cedric Sabalos, um, but I also just think that more than anything else from coming back for injury, I think they're going to have to make a decision on what position Zion is going to actually play. Uh I, I, I was with Lenny Cook uh, yesterday in Philadelphia. Uh, Shout to Lenny,
0: been on combos court. Good guy. Yes sir. Yep. Yes
1: sir. And you know, we were I was telling him, man, like, okay, Zion comes back, what position is he gonna play? Is he gonna play the two? Is he gonna play the three? Is he gonna play the four? Is he gonna play the five? Like, can he go to toe with defensively with an Anthony Davis? Or what twos or threes can he check defensively? Yeah. So it's like, is is he is he in that Charles Barkley Clarence Weatherspoon mode? Or is he in that Sean Kemp mode? You know, it's like, it, I think part of it is his conditioning, which carries over into the strength of his leg, too. So it's a lot of things that Zion's going to have to consider.
0: Right. I think Zion has the ability to slide his puppies, guard multiple positions. And he's the kind of guy just being on the floor, he's going to get points, you know, hustling, uh, you know, cutting without the ball in transition. There's so much spacing in the NBA. I think Zion's going to be more than all right, as we saw in the preseason.
1: Yeah, I have a wait and see approach with it, but I think you know it's interesting going into this season. Many people thought Zion or or uh, R.J. Barrett would be the outright work of the year. I thought this would be a chance for R. Barrett to kind of you know prove that. right now, you've got the Kendrick Nuns of the Miami Heat, John Morant, I mean, uh, and John Morant who's playing inspired basketball who has something to say about that. So it's like if we're if, if he's doing it for the for the selfish reasons of st- stat stuffing and and getting awards. Maybe he should sit out because even if he sits out, he still has the chance to be rookie of the year next year if he comes back and, you know, sits out a year. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. I mean, look at Ben Simmons—he sat out a year. Yeah, he. I hope he. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I hope Zion doesn't get the Ben Simmons
0: jokes. If he wins a uh, rookie of the year, then they're going to be saying every year, rookie of the year Zion for like the next four of them. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. That's
0: how it goes. All right, school. Before we get out of there, you got a quick review of us of the Fab album. Did you get the? Ch- did you get a chance to listen to it? <laughs>
1: The only so I haven't got a chance to listen to it, but I love the bomb song. Great because- song. I mean, I know you like, that's a throwback NBA song right there. You, you know it, you know it. <laughs> One of my homework assignments is to s- actually sit and listen to the song because um, a lot of people were saying, well, huh, I can get a lot of captions from my IG photos to use gotcha. for his song, and I guess, or from his album, and it went in a different direction versus where people thought it may have went. They said it might have been a whole apology letter to Emily, but it wasn't that. Okay. Was that, is that what you heard, Till? Nah, yeah, I've heard it, but I didn't get it. I didn't get
0: that from it when I listened to it. What did you it, get you know? from the album? I liked it. You know, some people, like, people were saying that Fab was trying to get a little bit current, but I really enjoyed most of the songs. You know, They felt like he wasn't being himself. He was trying to fit into the current culture of hip-hop, but <laughs> I didn't get that. I thought the bars were on point. I thought the songs were catchy. It had a mixtape vibe to it, and I always think Fab's mixtapes were better than his actual albums. I agree. I I I
1: liked it. I I feel that way about not just Fabulous, but I felt that way about Cassidy too. Jada Kiss, Jada Kiss as well. But I feel like with with Fabulous to make that claim about him being trying to get current, he's never not been current. That's true. You, you know, I, I just think that you're talking to a very younger audience, uh, that, of 18 year olds or, or, and below, uh, that maybe not may not be familiar with throwback this, throwback that. Exactly where you were your throwback at, you right? Know, all the way to, you know, uh, Skane Dollar and being on Clues mixtapes. right?
0: Shouts the Clue, shouts the Skane,
1: and 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 Envy's mixtapes and more. So it's like, you know, when you really sit and you look at Fabulous's catalog. He's always been current. You know, his punchlines to me in that Bombs album was like, I mean, I thought you were going to be like D-Rose. You're not even Ben Gordon. You know, it's like. Yeah, damn.
0: He killed Ben Gordon on that. Man, I was yes, he that. did. <laughs> so
1: it's like when you sit and you look at sad, his punchlines have always been crazy to kind of come at him and say uh, he's trying to be current. I don't think that's fair because I think that Fabulous has always found a way to reinvent himself. I think that's one of his gifts.
0: Right. He's always had current event bars, and he's always found himself to stay current with fashion and with his bars and in his lyrics. I agree. Right. Good album. I liked it. I think you'll enjoy it, too. Scoop, you're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you?
1: Scoopy Radio, 3.5 million streams last year, available on all platforms, Spotify, Play, TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Tune in or simply visit ScoopyRadio.com. I'm a senior writer uh, at Heavy.com and a senior columnist at Basketball Society. But follow me on Twitter at Scoopy and Snapchat and Instagram at Scoop underscore B.
0: B, in my humble opinion, the Scoopy combo content gets better every conversation. Let's do it again soon. Let's do it, my brother. Thanks, bro. There it is. Episode 118 is in the books. Big shouts to Scoop B for joining in. We appreciate you. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court. Also, share this episode with a friend. Share it on your social media platforms. Check out our Patreon page. I'll put a link in the description for that. Be on the lookout for Episode 119, Combo. Out. Wow.